Here's Charlene Steinkamp. We can walk in victory in our homes, even if our spouse does not know the Lord, even if our spouse knows the Lord and they're walking in sin, we can have victory regardless of their behavior or a teenager's behavior. We can have victory because we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and he's going to give us victory. But are you really ready for you to live a blameless life, for you to radiate your Lord Jesus Christ each and every day? You are the secret for your marriage to have peace in the midst of the storm. And I hate to put all the responsibility on you, but it takes two to tango. If we will zip our lips and not yell, not fight, if we'll just be silent, if we'll speak softly, as Proverbs talks about so much, if we will just say, oh Lord, help me to control my tongue, then God will give us the glory and the honor. So first rule is do not panic. Do not panic what your spouse says or does. Remember, you're praying for them daily, and you are trusting God, not them. You're not listening to their threats or their accusations or all the other things that they're saying and doing. You're going to listen to the Holy Spirit tell you, I'm in charge. I'm in control. Trust me. Don't trust them. Trust me. What are some of the things we can do? First, we can go to the Word of God, and when your spouse has a symptom, go to the Word of God and get a solution. Get a prayer to pray against the problem that, that you see with your eyes or hear with your ears. Get a scripture to claim and counteract. What are their symptoms? Let me give you some of the symptoms that you can be saying to me. Well, let me tell you, my spouse is lying He's dishonest, they're deceitful, they're cunning, they're crafty, they get angry, they rage and, and scream and holler. In fact, they have bitterness and they slander other people and they speak with obscenity and coarse joking and that's just the beginning of what they do. Nobody's laughing because that sounds like it's fitting right in your own home. It's not funny. It's not funny what is going on in our homes, the war zones that are going on. Bob and I have said in our books that we wore a mask when we went to church. We put a mask on and pretended everything was fine, but when we went home, there was another two people living in that house. And I'm saying, I want you to go back into that house and do everything in your power with the power of the Holy Spirit and with the blood of Jesus over your house and the hedge of protection over your house and warrior angels around your house that you will not be the one to cause all these problems or to continue an argument or to continue anything else. We need to say, I know who I am in Christ and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, and no weapon formed against this marriage is going to prosper. And God, you're greater. Stop the enemy speaking through him. Lord, touch him. Change him. Change her. We've got to understand, we've got to go to the bathroom and pray. Or go to the closet or go to your bedroom or go outside if you've got to do something. You've got to learn to pray and just say, you know what? 
This argument is not going anywhere. So can we stop talking for just a few minutes? And I'm sorry for my part. And apologize and get the devil, hit him in the face, hit him in the eyes and say, you're not going to go and touch this home anymore. And we've got to learn how to counteract. We have got to just stop the fighting going back and forth. Don't worry about your spouse's habits or their sins, but allow the Holy Spirit to touch their heart and heart. Say, Lord, touch their heart and heart. Touch them, change them, mold them, make them to be the man or woman of God they need to be. And Lord, touch their heart and turn it to a heart of flesh. And then I want to really challenge you to examine your own heart and character. How would you rate your integrity and how will you rate your honesty in your life and in your marriage of what it was or is right now? Where are the problems? What can you do with the Lord to change the problems in your homes? I love meanings of words, as you all know. What is the meaning of integrity? Let's see if we even have it. The American College Dictionary explains it to be soundness of moral principles and character, uprightness, honesty. And you know what? That's what you and I need to strive for each and every day. We need to have moral principles and characters. And I know you are all ready to just raise your hand and say, well, that's my problem. My spouse doesn't have moral character. But let me tell you, I've got other spouses writing to us each and every day. What about the spouse who hasn't committed adultery? What about the spouse who is not unfaithful? But they've just got a horrible temper, or they've got a horrible language, or they don't know the Lord, or I just don't love them anymore. I've just fallen out of love. See, the devil uses different tricks and different schemes for different people. So we've got to go back to the basics that the devil is going to try to trick you or your spouse in whatever will work to destroy your marriage. And he will use drugs, alcohol, he will use immorality, he'll use anger, rage, he'll use abuse, he'll use anything. He'll use children to separate moms and dads. Do not think the devil won't try anything. He will use your parents or your brother or sister. He will use anybody. He'll use your job. He'll use your career. He'll use finances. He can use anything to block and to stop and destroy your marriage. And you've got to know the devil's tricks and schemes. So let's go to what is honesty. Can you get this one? From the American College of Dictionary, it says, the quality or fact of being honest, uprightness, integrity, truthfulness, sincerity or frankness, freedom from deceit or fraud. Now, I want to tell you that a lot of marriages are not built on truthfulness. A lot of our marriages are built on lies or deceitfulness. A lot of us women do not tell the whole truth. We do things, we go places, we buy things, and we really don't tell our spouse until they get the bill or do they see what's happened. I could go on and on. I must say, I'm picking on women right this moment, but sometimes we women have learned to be deceitful. 
to hide a few things. And we even give excuses that it's okay because I work so I get to spend my money and all these different things. But we need to understand the devil wants us not to be truthful. He wants us to hide things. He wants us to hide our credit cards. He wants us to hide all the things we've done or bought. He wants us to fall into the trap of sinning. You got to understand that. We're Christians. The devil is going to tempt you to lie or be deceitful in different ways that I am not even going to mention because the Holy Spirit is going to tell you what it is right now about you or your spouse. You've got to understand, it's not what I say. The Holy Spirit's going to say to your heart, this is one of the areas I need to work on. So we've got to understand, we need to strive for a blameless life. We need to say, Lord, will you be my counselor? I don't even know where to start now. Charlene has just shot me with 20 bullets and I'm bleeding to death. What am I supposed to do? Well, go to John chapter 8, verse 8. If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's turn to John chapter 16. Verse 7 is where we'll start. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Whether he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, in regard to righteousness. Because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The Holy Spirit is going to speak conviction to your spouse. As Bob spoke recently, the Holy Spirit spoke to him over and over and over again. God speaks to prodigals. As Andy spoke as with a restored marriage, he says, your spouse is coming home. There's no doubt about it because he was touched and he knew he had to come home. Instantly, he didn't, but he came home when God kept prodding him and pushing him and wooing him. You got to believe in the power of your Lord God. Now let's go back to John chapter 14, just a couple of pages. We got to understand that Jesus is the way. In verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way. He is the only way. And that is why you need to pray for you to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, you need to know the Lord as Savior and Lord, where you say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, I know how I feel, but I want to do it your way. In Isaiah, it says, my ways are not your ways. Let's go to verse 12. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will even do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And that's a promise that you need to claim and believe and stand on. 
because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he wants your marriage restored. He wants it healed. He wants it to be happy. He hates divorce. He created marriage, and marriage is to be good. The enemy is the one who is causing the strife and the anger and the bitterness and the confusion. we got to recognize who the enemy is. Let me share another powerful scripture. Let's go to 2 Timothy. Because there's some of you people that are saying, I'm tired, I'm weary, I don't have the strength to do this. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Jesus is going to give you the strength that you need. Now, this is just one scripture, attacks from the enemy. This is one scripture for strength. But there are many, many other ones that you can look up in the Bible and find. The 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And now this is an important part. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. You may feel like you've got the lion roaring at you, right, every day on the phone or in person. You may say, I've got a lion of finances. I've got a lion of health issues. Whatever your lion might be, Understand that Paul said here that he was delivered from the lion's mouth. And in verse 18, it says, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is one of my favorite scriptures. When I feel like the enemy is attacking our children or attacking me, I take the scripture out and I may claim it three times a day, saying, Lord, deliver me from the lion's mouth. Deliver my children from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue my children. He will rescue our standards from every evil attack. It's a powerful scripture. It's a powerful promise. You need to speak it. You need to believe it. You need to have faith and claim these promises for you and for your family. Paul was deeply distressed and felt deserted at this time. Isn't that how you feel right now? When you have no one to talk to and your spouse doesn't understand, you feel like you're alone because you are facing the mountain of circumstances. What we want you to understand is that your spouse is going to have their heart touched if you will keep praying and standing in the gap. Your spouse is one flesh with you. You have got to understand that more than anything else. You are one flesh with your spouse. And so there's such power with one flesh. You must start building a firm foundation right now, whether your spouse is home and they're not speaking love or they don't know the Lord. Regardless, you can start building a firm foundation. If your spouse is not home, you can still continue to build a firm foundation. Let's go to Hebrews 11, just a few pages over. Hebrews 11, verses 8 to 10. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. That is what you've got to ask the Lord to do. 
Lord, become my builder of our home, of our marriage. Lord, become the architect. Draw in the plans of how you are going to heal and to restore and rebuild our marriage. Because I cannot see it, but you as the architect can create the plans that it will look gorgeous even before it is built. The architect comes first. He draws the plans. You see this beautiful two-story house with all the shrubbery. You need to get that visual and that promise and that dream and hope of what your marriage is going to be like after it's restored. And you've got to have faith looking at that picture and the Lord's telling you, I'm going to heal, I'm going to restore, I'm going to rebuild. You've got to get that visual. And you've got to say, okay, Lord, then you be the builder. You start building it with me. I surrender everything to you. Build our new home to be better than our old marriage, our old home was. And it will be better. It's easy to be a Christian when we have no problems or trials or tribulations. It's easy to go to church and praise the Lord when you have no circumstances. But it's not easy when you seem to face circumstances when it seems like you've got the storm and you're in the boat and it's just flopping around on the sea and all of a sudden circumstances seem impossible. You do not know which way to turn. You don't know whether to go toward the storm, north, south, east, or west. Which way do you turn in the storm? What is the solution? What should you do now? How do you react? What are you speaking? How are you praying? Your spouse most often comes home and he says, God told me to come home. They could not stand the Holy Spirit conviction anymore. They don't come home saying, I'm sorry, I repent, I've asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart, into my life, and I am just praising the Lord, let's go to church, and let's not miss any services. Is there an amen? So we've got to be prepared to receive our spouses in whatever condition God brings them home because that's the condition God wants us to be ready for. Bob came home because he was fearful of God's consequences to the sin that he had been blatantly doing. He feared for his life because he had done so many things wrong and blatantly. And he was a man of God and he knew better. So there comes a point where your spouse is going to feel such Holy Spirit conviction that if they just come into your home, they will have a peace. And that's why so many come home for a week or two and leave. And then they leave again and they come back home. And it's an in and out with a roller coaster of your emotions and for your children possibly. But let me tell you, don't judge them because God is moving on their hearts and they're battling to darkness and light. Darkness, I'm obeying God, I'll go in there. Okay, I, I just can't do this. They can't surrender to God's perfect will in their life yet. But God is never gonna give up on them. You're praying for their salvation and for their holiness and their righteous living, and God is going to keep moving on them and keep speaking to them over and over again, and you keep praying. Bob left 19 times in 19 years when we were first married, and I thought, 
you know, this is never going to work. This is never going to work. And finally, I got to the point that I knew that I knew he would come back. After the 19th year, and I had had it up to here, I disobeyed God and divorced my husband. you got to understand, God was bringing him back, saying, you need to do this and you need to do that, and I didn't do what I was supposed to be doing. I would have never gone through that divorce if I had been obedient to God. And that's what I'm saying. You guys have to be careful that we're not disobedient to God, that we're not causing a delay in the marriage restoration process by us. Your spouses may be living far deep in sin, but we are accountable for who? Me, ourselves. And then we're accountable to teach our children all these truths. We cannot change our spouse. Who can? God. God is the only one that's going to change them. So we've got to be obedient when they come home, and we've got to be able to zip our lips and live a Christ-like life. Love keeps no record of wrongs, because you've got to remember that each and every day, three times a day, till you get it memorized, and you are going to delete what they just did five minutes ago and not hold the grudge. And that is love. That is the power of the Holy Spirit doing it. Are you ready for your spouse's return? Are you ready for your husband or your wife to walk through the doors tonight? Are you expecting your miracle? I can tell you, I would not be surprised if any of your spouses came home tonight. I would not be surprised that when you go home to your spouse, that they have been touched and saved by the Holy Spirit tonight in a supernatural way, or your children or your mom and dad. I believe that when we're sitting here in this circle, praying and praying, and we prayed for a half hour before we started, that God is going to move on spouses around the world. And we need to be expecting it each and every day and not go home defeated and ready to start another fight because of what they haven't done. They didn't do the dishes. They didn't clean the house. They haven't paid the bills. They haven't done this. They haven't done... Thank God they're home in any way, shape, or form. Because I've got about 10,000 other people that would like to have their spouse home in any way, shape, or form. Is there an amen? amen. I knew that would get a few people awake. First, you must make a commitment to your marriage forever. This is not an option. You cannot think, okay, if my spouse or if I get tired or if my spouse does this, I'm leaving. This is it. I've had it. You have got to understand that you made a wedding vow with God and you have made a wedding vow to your spouse. You are married for life. Don't look for the exception clauses. Don't look that they're committed adultery. Don't look that they're doing all these other things. You've got to say, I've made a commitment, and I'm going to keep my part of it, and I'm going to ask the Lord to change me and then change my spouse. We need to choose. We, us, need to choose to walk in the paths of righteousness. I'm asking you, are you getting dressed daily? Are you putting on the armor of God? We're not going to talk about it tonight. It's another teaching totally of its own. But put on the armor of God on you, your family, and your children every day. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. And in fact, I'll just read Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against your spouse. You're being attacked. You are having the devil shoot some big guns at you. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, when the day of evil comes, it's telling us the day of evil is going to come and it's going to attack us. We are going to have circumstances attack our home and attack our marriages. But when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. You're going to be there like an oak tree. You're going to stand there and not be thrown away by the circumstances. You're going to stand firm. You're going to be praying a hedge of protection, as in Hosea chapter 2 or in Job. You're going to put a wall of fire around your family. Anoint your house weekly if you need to. Cleanse your home of any and all idols and purities. There's demons all around coming out to steal, kill, and destroy what you have. But God is greater. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says, Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Are you walking in humbleness? Because God opposes the proud he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him. Have you got all these cares and woes and problems? Cast them on to the Lord, because he cares for you. God loves you. He loves your spouse. He loves your children. He loves your family. He wants to resurrect and heal and restore your marriage. Verse 8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Look around you. We're not by ourselves. We've got a full room of people that are going through these suffering. Look in your church. How many divorces are in your church? Where you work? where you go to the grocery store. How many people do you know that have family members that are going through divorce? This is an epidemic. Satan is attacking the churches. He's attacking the families because he wants all of us trying to raise a family by ourselves. It's not the way God created it. So we need to know that God is going to be sufficient. When humanity fell into sin, Satan became ruler of this world. And he controls this whole world. And he patrols the earth. And he goes roaming around, commander of a host of evil. God defeated Satan. And we have got to turn to Job chapter 1. We need to know who the enemy is. It is not your spouse. It is not the one speaking divorce. It is not the one that says, I'm never coming home. It is not the one that says, while they're home, I'm leaving. I'm planning on leaving. I may leave at Christmas. I may leave at the end of graduation. I may leave when my kids grow up, but I'm planning on leaving because I don't love you any longer. All of these words are darts and daggers from the devil himself. We've got to understand who is speaking. Only believers are delivered from Satan's bondage and his power. 
By reaccepting Jesus Christ, he has set us free from the bondages of sin. That's why we're praying for our spouse's salvation. We must remember the power that we have with Jesus Christ as our Savior. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. There's power in the word of God. There's power in our testimonies. In Revelation, it says, by the blood and by our testimony, we will be set free. There's power in praising the Lord, which defeats the enemy, because Lucifer can't stand us praising the Lord. There is power in love, because in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, write it down, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Are you using your authority as a Christian? When you walk into your home, are you walking in victory as a Christian with your Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you walking defeated because the devil has taken all your weapons? Are you using your weapons? You've got to use them. You and I must live a life of integrity, honesty, and we must fear God, and we must shun evil. And we've got to say no to the enemy because your spouse has fallen into the trap. And we need to walk a blameless life, a Christ-like life. Are you? Ask the Lord, where do I need to change? What do I need to change? What area do I need to work on? Can you see how you can strive each and every day for more excellence, for to be more of a Christ-like person, to walk to be more of a better wife, a better husband? Even if you have no contact with your spouse at all, it does not matter what you will radiate to so many other people because you radiate your Lord Jesus Christ. We have got to be a lighthouse. We need to be the salt of the earth, and we need to be able to say, Jesus has the answer for your problems. Whoever comes into contact with us, if you own a store, if you are a receptionist, you are a manager at a store, people will come to you and start to tell you problems. And you can say, you know what? I'm going to pray for you because my Lord can solve your problems. He has the answer. He's the greatest counselor of all. Imagine if you started doing that. What an invaluable Christian you could be for your Lord. What an instrument, what a soldier of Lord Jesus Christ you can be every day. In Job chapter 1, the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? That is Job chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. And you know what? You may feel like you're a Job right now. We find out how Job dealt with consequences that were attacking him and how God said, he was a man of integrity, and he lived a blameless life. May that be our goal every day, whether our spouse is home or not. May you and I live a blameless life with honesty and with integrity in everything we do, because the Lord is going to bless us. Oh, Lord.
And we're asking you to defeat the enemy that is coming and attacking our marriages. And Lord, we love you. And we ask that you will go after the spouses who have left home or speaking of leaving home or speaking and, and talking that they do not love us. And Lord, we just pray that you will go after those spouses who are speaking such negative words. And Lord, may you go touch them and fill them up with the Holy Spirit. Lord, may they humble themselves and call out to your name, to you. May you speak to them in dreams and visions and turn them from the wrong ways. Turn them from the wrong thinking. Turn them from the spirit of pride or adultery or unfaithfulness or greed or worldliness. Whatever is coming against them, Lord, protect them and pull them from the evil ways and bring them to you, Lord. May they cry out to you. May you go after our children and protect our children from the temptations of the world. And Lord, may you have them seek your face and may they learn about your power and your love. May they hunger and thirst for the word of God. Lord, we're asking you will strengthen and heal and restore sick marriages. We ask that you will breathe in life to the dead and hopeless and possible marriages that are even divorced or have gone into a non-covenant relationship. Lord, we're asking that you would breathe life back into dead marriages. And Lord, we know that nothing, nothing is too hard for you. And we know that you've spoken that you hate divorce. And if you hate divorce, we hate divorce. And we ask that you would be the rebuilder of rebuilding our marriages on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just thank you for what you've done for Bob and myself, what you've done for our family, that you are no respecter of persons, and you are going to heal and restore all marriages around the world. And we are standing in the gap for thousands and thousands of prodigal spouses to come home every week, and we'll give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You've been listening to Charlene Steinkamp. You can write the Steinkamps at P.O. Box 10548, Papano Beach, Florida, 33061. The Steinkamps also invite you to visit their website at rejoiceministries.org.